listeners. Thanks for keeping track. No formal catch-up today. Uh, Roshin and Alicia are actually away. We are long overdue for a catch-up with the three of us, I know. Um, But I got to give a shout-out to what these ladies are doing. It's actually really exciting. So Alicia will be running her first marathon this weekend. That's right. 800-meter ace Alicia Montano is running 26.2 miles, and as if a marathon debut for an 800-meter runner wasn't a big enough undertaking, uh, she's doing this in Tanzania at the Kilimanjaro Marathon with the Every Mother Counts campaign for maternal health justice. So there's a link below if you want to donate to Alicia's team to support this cause. It's a cause close to her heart. It's a cause important to mothers around the world. There's really just a lot of catching up to do with maternal health, um, actually both in this country and globally. So we want to support Alicia. Great job. And we can't wait to hear how your first marathon goes. And we hope this work goes a long way. Roisin is on vacation with the fam, and I can't wait to hear how that went when she gets back. Um, We really need to do a formal catch-up in March, so stay tuned for that. And this episode was actually recorded on February 23rd. February 23rd is the two-year anniversary of the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. This has all of us in the running world reflecting on the changes that have happened in the last two years and what still needs to happen in the running industry. A good article about this was written by Aaron Strout in Runner's World, which we'll link. I thought some powerful quotes were from Alison Desir, who said in the piece, There is a feeling that there's more of a shared language in the running world and more of a recognition that black and brown and indigenous people have had different experiences than white people. So the awareness is getting there, but the awakening, not so much yet. Uh, For example... 800-meter runner and activist Russell Dinkins is quoted as saying, and this is regarding his efforts to save a lot of the men's track and field programs that have been cut in the last two years. He says, There was a collective social appetite for some of the more racial justice-based arguments, but there's not the same appetite for that now, and the nature of the work is quieter now. We're not in the same social moment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Tracksmith. They created the Tracksmith Foundation, which Russell Dinkins has been named to the executive director of. And I'm hoping this really puts some financial power behind Russell's efforts so he can continue to advocate for saving the college sports programs that are at risk of getting cut. And when you cut those programs, you're cutting valuable opportunities for many black and brown athletes. Um, He's so far been involved in saving programs at Brown, at Minnesota, at Clemson, and at William & Mary. And we look forward to what he's doing with um, some youth athlete programs going forward, too. Also, as you know, we're well into February. February is Black History Month, and we thought it would be cool to leave you with some resources or recommendations for media content, books, and more that we thought were interesting and relevant and support Black content creators this month. The first on our list, of course, goes back to Alison Desir. She has pre-orders available for her book, Running While Black. This is a much-awaited book, and Alison has done so much in the running industry in this space. We really thank her for that, and we want to hear what she has to say. Um, there's also a really good article out also again by women's running, which we'll link below. 
that has links to seven memoirs by BIPOC authors. Um, some of the notable black women on the list are T.J. Bryan and her book, Saving Myself, One Step at a Time, a running memoir. Um, we'll link this so you guys can get all the information about the books, the little um, blurbs. Uh, the next book is by... Anita digs about the legendary Ida Keeling, who we sadly, we just lost Ida at the age of 106 this past summer, but it's about her um, amazing life as an age group sprinter. She set world records in the 60 meter and 100 meter well into her 90s, and she even didn't even start running until her late 60s. And um, her book is called Can't Nothing Bring Me Down, Chasing Myself in the Race Against Time. The Book of Beautiful Work in Progress, a memoir by Myrna Valerio, who a lot of you probably follow Myrna on Instagram. She's at the Myrnavator, and that looks like another great book. She takes us on her running journey, um, everything from running her first mile to running a 60-plus mile trail race, and there's more books on here, too. We will, like I said, link these memoirs so you can pick up these, um, pick up these titles. Um, another content source we liked, Two Black Runners podcast this month did a Black Tastemaker series. Um, some guests you were introduced to were Camilla Jornet, Brandon Johnson. Um, they have more coming out this month. And if you haven't listened to Two Black Runners or checked out The Running Report yet, this is a great introduction for you. Highly recommend them. And finally, a video put out by Meb Kaflesky that we highly recommend is called For the Run. And it was a roundtable discussion with eclectic members from the running industry that Meb brought together in the fall. And they produced this 27-minute um, video that was a really interesting meeting of the minds in the running world. And although it's not just about race, you know, that definitely comes to the table and they just have different backgrounds and listening to them exchange perspectives I think was productive um, and really interesting just as a viewer. So that was hosted by Meb and he launched it on 2-22-22 so it's only a few days old. We'll link the video. It's on Vimeo and it's produced by 26 Athletics um, which I think is Meb's brand and I really look forward to more coming from this. Meb post career is serving me Oprah Super Soul Sunday meets Legends Ball but for runners vibes and so I want more of it. I think it's going to be not only beneficial for the entire running industry but um, just as you know a consumer of running content I think this is you know Meb influenced content is something I'm very interested in and something that I think I'd love to see more of. Uh, some of the people in the roundtable discussion, you may recognize Jason Suarez, a photographer at a lot of these track meets, um, two black runners, Joshua and Aaron Potts, who we just mentioned. And then there were athlete perspectives like from Mary Kane and Meb and recreational runner perspectives too. So check it out. Definitely interesting. Okay, and finally... Um, now that we have all those links below, it's definitely going to be Linkapalooza down there, but we like to provide the information for you guys. Um, please go rate us on iTunes and let us know what you think. If you have any recommendations that we didn't um, shout out that you think would be 
right up our alley or that we should be paying some attention to, please email us. Our email address is ladies at keeping-track.com. And we also have two new exciting ways to support Keeping Track. Um, we have a Patreon account and we have some new merchandise in our store. There's some pretty stylish blue Keeping Track tote bags. You guys voted on the designs last month. And the proceeds from this will go to help us support um, some of our fellow women in sports media and uh, women in the sports world whose initiatives we want to support. You know, in the past, we've supported Alicia's and Mother. We've supported Track Girls scholarships, and we like to be able to keep doing that. So thanks for supporting us at Keeping Track. And without further delay, we will get to our interview for this week. We talked to 2020-1 Olympian and two-time American record holder. Her PB is 1484 in the triple jump. Do you know who she is yet? It's Tori Franklin. So Tori tells us about her start in the sport, um, how her season's been going, and what's coming up next. She will be, I wanted to get this out right away because she will be competing at the U.S. Indoor Championships this weekend. So I think it's cool that you can listen to this, learn more about Tori, then cheer for her. And we will have the link below and schedule um, for how to watch U.S. Championships on TV. I believe they're in Spokane, Washington this year. Um... February 26th and 27th, both days, but TV coverage will be different. And there is a world birth on the line. The 2022 World Indoor Championships are March 18th through March 20th in Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, I suppose pending any major political or COVID-based interruptions, so fingers crossed there. But um, we'll be rooting for Tori. She's won four U.S. Indoor Championships so far. Let's hope she can add a fifth. And she also talks to us about things besides jumping. Um, she's an avid writer. It's her second passion. And she actually has a book coming out called You Anthem. And some really good blogs on Medium, which we'll link, and her website, which we'll link. Uh, Tori also talks to us about her other interests. You'll hear more about herbalism and Reiki healing and how that informs her competition as a world-class athlete. Um, so... We'll let you hear the very interesting Tori Franklin. Thanks for keeping track. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Keeping Track. Today's guest is triple jumper Tori Franklin. You remember Tori from the 2020 slash 2021 <laughs> Summer Olympics on Team USA. She's four-time U.S. indoor champion two-time American record holder in the triple jump, and she graduated from Michigan State as a seven-time All-American. Tori, welcome to Keeping Track. Thanks for coming to talk to us today. We're excited. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes. I remember we briefly roomed together at a meet a couple yep. years ago in Morocco. In Morocco. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Not going to lie, my main motivation was going to Morocco more so than <laughs> running definitely a PV that day. That was one of the more interesting meets I've ever been to. Mm -hmm. That hotel was beautiful. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Tori, I'm excited to talk to you today. Let's start with kind of a basic intro, but like, how did you get into triple jump? What's your intro story to track and field? I know you've probably told this a million times, but... Yeah. So, well, my intro to track and field in general 
is I knew I wanted to do track and field long before I actually was able to do it. I knew I could do it in the sixth grade. That's when it was allowed. And I was like, I can't wait to do track and field. I'm going to be faster than all the boys. Like that was my motivation to do track and field. And I ended up getting into triple jump my freshman year of high school um, because I was actually at practice warming up to learn how to pole vault. That was, I was like, let's pole vault. I'm ready. And I was just learning the hand positionings. And then the triple jump coach pulled me over and said, no, you're not doing pole vault. I'm going to teach you triple jump. And I'm like, triple what? No, thanks. No, I don't want to do that. And she's like, yes, you're, you're coming to learn triple jump. And it was a pretty devastating day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are two pretty different events. Yeah. Um, where are you from? Because not every high school has pole vault. I know we had it in New York State growing up. Where were you from? I'm from Illinois. So okay. we had pole vault, we had triple jump, everything. Okay. And why? what made you want to do pole vault? Just that it looked so exciting? Or what was the motivation yeah. there? I, it just seemed like exhilarating and like I was going to get to fly high in the air. I was like, this is what I want to do. But, you know, not only do I have more of a triple jump body, I also learned years later that I have very weak wrists. I would not <laughs> have gone very far in the pole vault. You know what? Go with your strengths and look where you end up. <laughs> your, yep. coach, your coach saw it. That's like me. I wanted to play in the WNBA when I was nine. Yep. And my dad was like, you're a runner. Like, I hate to break it to you, but like, <laughs> you're not going to be dunking ever. Right. <laughs> but you just ran a six minute mile. So like, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you for those people in our lives. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. Well, Tori, where, so what's your training setup right now? You told me you're getting ready to go to the U.S. Indoor Champs. You Mm -hmm. leave tomorrow. This will be out before those come out. So everyone tune in. Um, We'll post like where and when to watch. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, where are you training? Who's your coach? Who are your partners? What's the setup like? Right now I'm training in Ypsilanti, Michigan at Eastern Michigan uh, University. The coach's name is Sterling Roberts. I always get it mixed up sometimes because Sterling and Roberts are both first names. So it's like, which one do I call him? Anyways, um, I'm training with uh, indoor and outdoor um, national champion, Donald Scott, triple jumper. Um, It's just us two. And we have a couple other people who went to EMU that are training with us. And um, it's a really cool small group. And I love it. So like, what did you do today for training? Because I always like to... I love like training montage videos and I love hearing about other people's train, like other events training. So like, what was today? Like today we did some wickets uh, working on our speed frequency and making sure we have proper contacts with the ground. And then we transferred six of those wickets over to the runway and did our approach with them, making sure we're still bringing that same frequency to the runway and did a couple pop-offs. So just like um, jumping at the board, but not doing a full triple jump, kind of just the first phase. And is, is that like kind of a lighter day because you have a meet coming up or is that pretty yeah. typical? Yeah, definitely a lighter day since we leave tomorrow. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you guys do the other components like weight room? Um, I don't know if you do speed training. Like what mm-hmm. does that like? What would like a typical hard week look like for you? Hard week. Um, so Mondays. Yeah, we'll probably do some more endurance running. Well, my endurance is definitely different than your endurance. <laughs> <laughs> so my we would do like um, 
maybe some 150s, 100s, depending on the time of the year. And then we'll get in the weight room, which will be our heavy lifting. So we'll do uh, maybe some box squats, some trap bar lifts, step ups um, with heavier weight. And Tuesday would be our tech day normally. Um, so doing box drills, working on different parts of the jump, the first phase, second or third phase. Wednesdays, typically we would have off. Um, but since we're traveling tomorrow, today we did what I told you, working on some different speed frequency stuff. Back to the speed stuff on Thursday and then maybe a jump day on Friday. Nice. Mm-hmm. And how like how has your season been going so far? You've done a couple meets so far? Two yeah, I think I've done three. three. Yeah, I did three. My first jump um, was in new york no it was in michigan and i did um a short approach jump 12 steps just to kind of see what it feels like to get with speed again um that was pretty good my last two meets were both full approach in new york and in chicago and they were okay Um, i'm still kind of working on figuring out my rhythm with the with the full speed so i'm not quite where i would like to be but at the same time it's still pretty early it's literally February so I'm not stressing it too much yes and I think everyone has their eye on outdoor world champs I know there's an indoor world champs too Mm -hmm. but outdoors at home in Eugene Oregon which is like so exciting we haven't had an outdoor championship world championship at home yeah probably was it since the Olympics I guess 96 Mm-hmm. Um, not in any of our lifetimes yeah so that'll be a huge experience for all, for any athlete that makes the team so I'm sure that's everyone's focus <laughs> yeah for sure yeah um well Tori I feel like you are you're exciting to watch because I remember the days when our triple jump team wasn't even full like we would send one person to worlds and now we have three women on the team you guys are fighting for you know those top 10 spots top five medal positions mm-hmm. um Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, have you noticed more interest from other women in the triple jump now watching you and like Katura just go back and forth? Like, it's pretty great to have another event blossoming like that. Mm -hmm. It really is wonderful because like you said, when I was growing up doing triple jump, there weren't very many women jumping consistently 14 meters and higher and being competitive on the world stage. Um, So to be able to one, be one of those women and to see other young women coming up and jumping 14 meters in college and jumping higher and breaking different records, it's, it's amazing. And it's really exciting that the event is starting to pick up a little bit in its own way. So wonderful. Yeah. Especially team USA. Like, I feel like we should have good technical events. Like we have a lot of resources and so it's been fun to watch you guys and cheer for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I know, um, so like, can we, we'll go back to the the summer. Like I know the Olympics just wrapped up winter Olympics. I don't know how into those you are. Um, but the summer Olympics feel like they just ended. So can you talk about your first Olympic team? I know you've made world championship teams before that. Um, but what was your experience like? And like, what did you walk away from it? You know, learning. Right. So it was really exciting. And at at some point I had to kind of like sit back and remind myself how far I've come because when I graduated college, I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh, you know, she's a shoe in to make a team. In fact, I had already 
missed making a team twice already, 2022 and 2016. And my growth between 2017 and 2020, 2021 was tremendous. And even though I had been um, competing on the circuit for about three or four years, I didn't want to forget that five years ago, I was not, and I was nowhere close to making the Olympic team. So just remembering that was very humbling and exciting, um, even just going into the games. And then for the games itself, um, it was surreal. And in many ways, because it wasn't like a normal Olympics. You know, there weren't really that many people in the stands, just a couple other athletes and some coaches. Um, so it was very different. And I'm the type of athlete that thrives on that crowd's energy. And so it was really, it was difficult for me, um, along with just having a crazy year in general. So um, it was quite an experience. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned from it was that, you know, one, I'm more than just an athlete. Um, just for those of you that don't know, I I don't, I'm not even sure what place I got, but I didn't jump very well to my expectations. And so I was pretty disappointed at the result. And so I just had to remind myself that, yes, this is like one of the pinnacles of track and field, but it doesn't define my entire career, nor does it define me as an athlete. And that was something I just had to remind myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally understandable. I mean, the COVID protocols, like we had one of Emily Sisson trains with us and she made the 10K team and she was here in Providence training in the weeks before and just seeing what she had to go through to make sure she wasn't sick while she traveled and taking the tests. And it was just a crazy level of stress going into the games. Yeah. Um, so I definitely, when I was watching, I was just like, I can't imagine competing in a year like this. I don't know about you, but I need to feel like safe when I'm competing. Like I can't, it's yeah. like distracting to me if I'm like, well, like you might, you know, test positive for this or you have to make sure you do this. Like I need to just be like blinders go. Um, yeah. So yeah, fully, um, I fully felt for everybody there when they were competing. I was like, and mm -hmm. there's this weird extra stress no one expected, but at least the Olympics are happening. So yeah, yeah. What a yeah. crazy year. Um. Well, hopefully we see you also back for redemption in mm -hmm. the next the next games, 2024. They're not too far away. They're really not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, it's around the corner. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned you're more than an athlete, and that's one of, like, I think you're a really interesting athlete. I was reading about some of your, your blog on Medium, and your, you mentioned you have a book coming out, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you're a really good writer. I think we'll post the links for people to check out your blogs. Um, you write about really interesting things. I loved your stories about um, your journey with your locks, which mm -hmm. is like a spiritual journey to you. You compared it to track. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in there. So can you tell us about this book coming out or just what your side projects, how they're going? Yes. So this book has had its own journey and it's really crazy because I wrote, so this book, it's called You Anthem. And I wrote it because I was writing another book at the time. And I kept getting that question. Oh, when's your book going to be done? Oh, when's your book going to be published? And I'm like, well, I'm not finished writing it yet. So then I figured, okay, you know what? I'm just going to write a quick, short book, publish it, self-publish it so that 
when everybody asked me how this book is doing, I'd be like, hey, you can read this one while I finish this one. Okay. That was the initial goal of this book. I wrote it really quickly and happened to get a literary agent. Um, and she was like, no, we're not going to self-publish this book because this book is good. We're going to um, push it to publishers and do all this editing with it. And then it completely changed. Um but then the publishers didn't feel like I had like a big enough social following for the type of book that it was. So then the book changed again. And so now what it is now is pretty much um, a book of small anthems, my small anthems that explain my kind of mental health journey, but then as well as um, different mental wellness techniques that I've used that have helped me. And the goal is to use my story to help people um, find their own way to um, their own way to mental health or mental wellness. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's supposed to be coming out this spring, but we'll see. Exciting. And what's the title, official title? You Anthem. You Anthem. Okay. Mm -hmm. We love it. We will post links. Can people pre-order it yet? Not yet. We're okay. still getting that all together. Well, send us links when that's ready. We will definitely post those. That's really mm -hmm. exciting. Um, so is writing something that you have always done kind of in your downtime? Or when was like, was that something you found in college? Like, when did that kind of become an outlet for you? Mm -hmm. I've always been written like ever since I was little I've had I have diaries diaries stacks 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 diaries um and they're just like of course just silly things like about boys and stuff but then after I graduated college I started journaling more intentionally and I started reading more which kind of enhanced my writing skills um and from there I was like hey it was my, my journal this is reading kind of well <laughs> and so I took a writing class and started going to a writer's group at the library and just kept enhancing my skills. And so it just kind of came and became something that I really love to do and realized that it was something I had a talent in and is now something that I actually do want to continue to pursue outside of track and field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool to have that sort of other fulfill those other parts of yourself. I feel like it takes the stress off of this athletic performance sometimes mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, I know all my dimensions. It's not like all about the jump or all yeah. about the race. Mm -hmm. um, what other things are you into? I saw, I just went to your Instagram a few days ago and I saw you have some um, meditation techniques and did you say you're getting, you're into Reiki or you just learned about yeah. Reiki this year? Tell us. Mm -hmm. So I am a certified Reiki practitioner and I have, I'm, it's so exciting because I have clients. <laughs> I have like recurring clients and it's really exciting. Um, so for those that don't know what Reiki is, it is a form of energy healing. Um, every body, everything is like energy, you know? And so um, as somebody who has learned how to, um, enhance and utilize my own, I am able to help others um, navigate their own energetic healing and help them help themselves pretty much. And so I've been doing this in person and through distance Reiki, and it's been a really exciting journey. It's also something that I continue to, or that I'm hoping to continue to do outside of track and field. 
Okay, so I find that really interesting because I'm like such a science-brained person. I'm like, if I can't see it, I don't get it. So talk about the energy. Talk about how you've learned to like, is it about like harnessing it or just like controlling the kind of energy that you give or take in? Like, tell me more. <laughs> it's it's kind of like all of that. Um, so I noticed a few years back that I, as like to science minds, this sounds crazy, right? <laughs> um, I have been able to, it's not like, um, clairvoyance, you know? And so, uh, for example, this one time we were, you know, that game, um, there's different ones of it, but like you have to pull a card and everybody's a different villager in the neighborhood. And one person's a wolf and tries to like, anyways, unimportant. The point is it's kind of like mafia, right? Isn't it? It's it's mafia. Yeah. Yeah. It's mafia. So, I was able to look at the stack of cards and I'm like, I want to be like the person that kills people. So I was able to pick which I knew which card it was. Like I was able to sense which card it was, or if I wanted to be the the person that heals, I was able to sense which card that was. And I was like, Hmm, there's something in this. So I started to read into it and through meditation, also able to understand my connection to um, divinity source, God, whatever you want to call it. And felt like a sense of like deep grounding and connection. And I learned about Reiki. I'm not really sure when I first learned about it, but I do know that when I knew that I should start looking into how to learn it, it came to me while I was fasting um, through a meditation. And when I pursued it, it just kind of came to me naturally. And I've been able to connect with people from thousands of miles away through a computer screen. Mm-hmm. And I know this has like bigger implications in your life than sports, but I could see how learning about that could really help with your performance. Like kind of mm-hmm. like, it's like, sounds to me like when you try to manifest success, right? Or manifest yeah. a goal, like there's a lot of thinking about it beforehand and visualizing it and like yeah. predicting mm-hmm. it nearly before it happens. For sure. And it's definitely changed the way that I compete and think about competing, which is actually still something I'm still kind of navigating because um, I don't know if you read one of my pieces about like beast mode um, and how I used to compete was pretty much through my body's power and anger and trying to like just be aggressive out there. And so since I've come into a more like peaceful mindset, I can't just pretend and just bring up this, this anger that's not really there anymore. And that would make, that would make it very difficult to compete. So um, trying to compete with a new positivity and peaceful mindset instead of aggression and lacking mindset, it has been uh, just a kind of a challenge or a journey in itself. Mm -hmm. I did read I loved that piece. Um, I definitely identified with like, how it's not sustainable to tap into that all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to find I, I was never more an aggression type motivation. I was never motivated by that. Anyway, I was more motivated by, um, I don't know, I would just put like little rewards out there and, and try and like, 
minimize how big the thing I was like if it was an Olympic team I wouldn't be like it's make or break day yeah <laughs> I would be like oh you'll get to go see like Big Ben because you go to London I don't know keep it small keep it rewarding but yeah. definitely you do have to zone into like what gets you going and like is that sustainable as an athlete like to tap into that so I found that super interesting we'll link that guys you can read that um so what what other like you mentioned you're into reading and writing. Are there any books that you would recommend? Or is there anything you, that you're reading right now that's really interesting or that you just read? Um, yes, there's a couple of books I'm reading right now. So one I'm reading, I have like this little small um, book club. We're reading The Power of Focus and How to Minimize um, Procrastination. And that book has been pretty interesting so far. I'm also reading this um, autobiography called Nina Simone's gum. And I love Nina Simone and I listen to all her music. I watched her documentary during quarantine times when, you know, that was all we watched documentaries and stuff. And, uh, I just really love her story. I think it's so poetic and it's also really tragic. And the book is another perspective on her story from another person who didn't really know her closely, but just, found her gum that she left on a piano and how this has changed his life. And it's, it's been a really interesting book. Oh, wow. That sounds super interesting. Mm -hmm. I also definitely need the procrastination book, (laughs) the (laughs) anti-procrastination. So Tori, okay. I'm going to ask you a few questions that I like to ask our athletes Um, Mm -hmm. thinking about, I don't know how many young listeners we have, but I like to speak to the younger listeners um, from where you are in the sport now. Um, So you've had a long journey as an athlete so far. Like it took you more than one try to make the Olympic team. I feel like a lot of like young athletes don't realize that that could be, you know, it might take 12 years. It might take eight years. What's something you would tell a younger athlete or even young Tori, um, about how to make it at the higher level? Like, what are some of the things you've figured out that you didn't know maybe eight years ago? Mm -hmm. Um, Don't let where you are now dictate where you think you're going to be. Like, it's it really is a journey. And your body and your mind has to mature up to this state. Even if you do come out blazing and everybody's after you or whatever, you're still going to have to have your maturity um, and, and learn like what ways are best for you to be successful, really honing into who you are and what you need to be at your best mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Good answer. Um, what has been like really rewarding about your journey in track and field so far, or what's been the most rewarding, I should say? The most rewarding, I think, I never would have imagined I would have been able to travel to 24 different countries in like a five-year span. It's awesome. Um, That's probably my favorite thing is getting a chance to go to all these places, meet all these different people that I never would have ever crossed paths with. And I just, I love seeing such beautiful cultures. What, do you have a favorite place that you've been so far? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I have three. I think I really love Guadeloupe. Um, it's just a beautiful place. I love Switzerland. It's just oof, the mountains and the waterfalls. And oh, goodness gracious. And then <laughs> where else? 
I always have to say South Africa. That was really fun. Uh, beautiful country, kind people. Well, Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I know you got to train in Europe a little bit. Um, what was yeah, that experience like last? Was it last year or 2020? Um, both. It was, it was both. Uh, oh. It was the end of 2019, all of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. It's like a year and a half. Was that like culture shock a little bit being over there so long? Or were you just like going with the flow? <laughs> I guess we're there a lot in the summers normally as track athletes, but. Right. But it's complete. it's different to live there for sure. Um, because when I, when I'm in my, when I was in my apartment and I'm watching American Netflix, I'm, I could be, you know, back in the U S and then I'm like, oh, I need to go get some butter. I go outside and everybody's speaking French and I'm just like, oh yeah. Okay. Right. French burr, butter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn French pretty well? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I would say I would, I don't know if my training partners would agree that I did. <laughs> More than you knew before, right? <laughs> Definitely more than I knew before. By the time I left, I could understand French really well. Speaking it, I still sounded like a caveman, but I could comprehend a lot. That's the way to do it. You got to just go live there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, back to my questions. What? So having been in, the, in track and field um, as many years as you have now, you've been compete. you graduated in 2015, was it? Yep. From school. Um, what would what do you wish was different? It could be about like the business side of things. It could be about uh, the media side of things. Like what what improvements would you recommend? I would say there's a couple things. One, I that could wish, be a whole podcast, right? Right, <laughs> really good. One of them, I wish that like the the people in charge behind the smoke mirror would would stop trying to like change field events. Yes. Uh, they're always trying to like make it quote unquote more exciting or whatever. But I don't think the excitement of the event is the problem because if you know long jump, triple jump, throws, like it's an exciting event. There's a lot of drama. It's always going back and forth, especially when you have, you know, elite competitors. Um, I think it's a lack of of showing it to the public. Like the public thinks what what's cool is what you show them. And if you keep telling them that, oh, only these events are the good events, then of course they're not going to watch these other ones because you're not pushing them as much. And so that's something that I wish that the people at the top um, would recognize and see the true value in the events as they are. Totally. And like you're commenting on like the um, Diamond League making mm-hmm. the, what did they change? The attempts, they, less attempts. Yeah. They made it so that like after three attempts or something, only eight come or not eight, like five jumpers and then three jumpers for two and then two jumpers for one, something like that. Which like changes the approach you take so much. Like it changes, like the longest jump could not win, right? Yes. So they would say like for the last jump, um, whoever jumps farthest on the sixth attempt wins, which could possibly not be the farthest jump in the competition. Yeah, we don't need to reinvent the sport. I agree with that. They cut the 5K from the program entirely. So oh, my God. That's what happened. But then they, they have them at, like, other meets. So I guess that's what people just started doing. And then people watch those now. So I'm just like, I don't understand what they were trying to do with some of these things. Yeah. Okay. Any other? Okay, you sounded like you had more ideas. <laughs> yeah, there was that one. And then hmm, 
well, I forgot the other one. That one just took everything. <laughs> yeah. I feel like for me, when I think about that question, it, I always think about the media side of things and that mm-hmm. ties into it. I'm like, you know, we can make track more popular. There's people, it's such a circus. Like there's so many great athletes. And yeah. if you relied only on NBC to know who's who, you'd know three people because they only pick the super duper yeah. stars. But I'm just like, we've got to do better at getting these voices out here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then I think the sponsors too, I feel like um, they're really harsh on a lot of events and especially on, you know, events that are considered like second tier or whatever, third tier, they're, they're not as kind. Like if you have an off year where we're going to cut you, you're done. And it kind of, it eliminates the ability to be still be human. Um, like in any sport, whether it's track and field, football, basketball, like not every athlete has a hundred percent career year by year by year, you know, things happen, whether that's injuries or life and there's like no room for human error or human experience. I know. And I would love to see us plug in like the really healthy, strong sides of track and field, like road racing is part of it. And it's like, that's making a lot of money. How do we like introduce those people to like field events, sprint and power events. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you guys are Olympians. We could still have like appearances at major marathons from um, Olympians in any other event. And I think that would be a cool way to bridge those two and kind of like transfer support. Cause if one's making a lot of money, you know, Mm -hmm. over here at the New York city marathon, we could like, somehow parlay that into sponsorships with athletes who aren't just distance runners or just any like creative things like that. Um, I would always like to see the worlds just like intersect more. Mm -hmm. That's such a good idea. I'll work on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So Tori, what else do we know about, do we need to know about you? I saw you just got your MBA not too long ago. Was that last year? Yep. I just graduated last year in like April or May. I forget one of those. It was um, in business entrepreneurship from DeVry through the USLPC. Nice. And are you going to merge that with any of your other interests and try and do some entrepreneurial stuff? I mean, it sounds like you already are, but. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't plan to go and work for anybody when I'm done with track and field. Um, I have all of these business ideas and I plan on living outside of the country again. Um, so figuring out how to, you know, market these, these ideas, not only for the country that I'm going to be in, but for Americans as well and doing virtual stuff, but also holding retreats and all this type of stuff. I'm super excited, but I have to still remember that this is where I am right now. Yeah. Can't be too excited about the future. (laughs) I know at least a few more years until the next Olympics, right? Is that your plan? Very cool. Very cool. Um, Tori, is there anything else that you want to shout out or can you tell us how to follow you for people that want to follow along with your journey this year? Absolutely. So you guys can follow me at live happy on Instagram, L I V E H A P P I I. If you want to follow about my lock journey, energy, stuff um herbalism i actually have been studying different herbs and stuff because i want to go into herbalism that's all on my lock page which is live happy underscore locks um l-o-c-s and my medium page is toryfranklin.medium.com i think 
Yes. But you'll have the link. <laughs> yes. Some great writing samples there. And hopefully we're awaiting this book. Um, no pressure. This book right and your next book. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And we'll be cheering for you at U.S. Indoor Champs to defend your indoor titles. Um, but yes, thanks so much for speaking with us on Keeping Track. We'll let you get to the rest of your day. I know you had a lot of stuff going on, but thanks so much, Tori. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was a really great conversation and it was good to see you. Yeah, it was good to see you again. I hope I see you back on the track soon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> In competition mode. Okay. Thanks, Tori. Yep. Good Bye. luck. Keep track. Keep track. Keep track. Keep Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.